everyone. Today we're super fortunate to be with Mr. C.B. Ramkumar. So Ram is a climate leader. He's taken leadership training under the former Vice President, Mr. Al Gore. He's done several presentations all across Asia about the same to educate people about climate change and climate crisis. He's also a sustainability consultant, working with various corporates to become more sustainable, while also aligning all of their goals to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. He's an author, he's an entrepreneur. He also owns an eco-resort that is called Our Native Village here in Bangalore. We're so lucky to have you, thank you. Glad to be here, Sahir. So today we're talking about how we can make our college campuses and our workplaces more sustainable. So today my first question for you is, how can we make our workplaces and campuses more sustainable? We need to start by educating our workforce about sustainability. You know, sustainability is quite a complicated concept, uh, only because we've all come so way down the path of what we've defined as progress. Uh, now to actually go back, which is what sustainability is all about, of, uh, of preserving what we have around us, um, seems to be complicated. That's been my experience, at least talking to people over the last sort of decade or so. So we need to break down the concept of sustainability into, you know, easily digestible little pieces. Uh, for the workplace to be able to understand it. So that needs to be the first thing that we need to do. Uh, secondly, as we do that, not that it has to be linear, of course, right? There are a lot of things we need to do simultaneously, parallel processing, as they call it. Secondly, we need to educate the workforce just to tell them that they need to become more aware of just their environment around them. Uh, I always say, you know, you give everybody, everybody needs to practice, right? Uh, to be a good singer, you need to practice to be a good singer. To be able to be more sustainable, you need to be able to practice sustainability. So I always tell workplaces, first tell your people just to be aware of their surroundings. Most people aren't, you know, just how many people around them, how many chairs, tables do I have? That's really a starting point. And then when you expand that awareness, to, you know, just outside their workplace, their city, their town, the village, you know, the world, then they will start to become more aware of their surroundings. Most often workplaces are not sustainable only because, first of all, they're not even aware of the space around them. Once we do that and they start to become aware of, you know, the trees, the birds, the air, the water around them, then you started your journey towards sustainability. And when they become aware of that, then the next step would be really to tell them, okay, now that you're aware of the planets that we live in, because you'll go that far, right? Once you're aware of the planet that you live in, shall we all start to be more cognizant of how much we consume, resources that we consume? See, in the urban world, we've all been really spoiled. We hit the light switch and there's light. If you live in a village where there's no electricity, just lighting up that little lantern is a task and a half, right? When you want water, all you do is just open the tap, right? And we're not even bothered about the resources. I mean, our best singing comes out when you're standing under the shower, <laughs> right? So we aren't aware of those resources. If you live in a village and if it's a lady there, she has to walk a few kilometers to get water. So once we start to make the people aware of the resources they are consuming, 
just tell them be aware of how much water you're consuming when you have a bath when you're brushing your teeth when you're washing your car be aware of you know the the plastic water bottles that you get how much you drink and how much you just without even thinking keep aside be aware of the electricity you consume i've seen offices where there's a huge french window on one side lots of natural light but still all the lights are on when i pointed this out they weren't even aware that the lights were on oh we didn't realize it right so once you raise that awareness and then last but not the least the amount of waste they generate right most workplaces and schools and colleges you know when you print something it says that don't print unnecessarily you know that little how many of us really look at it you know it's become like background noise we don't respond to it so what we need to do is we need to bring all that into the radar screen of the workplace when we do that workplace sustainability starts to happen the journey starts then somewhere down the line that journey has to start once that journey starts rest of it will be magical that's great thank you so much for sharing so you know digest information into digestible pieces and be aware of your surroundings thank you so much so my second question for you is what elements of our lives do need to change to really incorporate sustainability in our workplaces or in our work environments yeah there are well it's a simple question uh the answer can be quite complicated because there's just so much to be done still right but then we need to take baby steps first you know we can't start to sort of run before we can walk uh so one of the aspects i would urge everybody to take is to start to measure when we start to measure every day how much we consume or easier thing to measure perhaps is how much of waste we generate absolutely yeah yeah at the end of the work day just look at our waste bin below our table and look and say okay how much have i thrown away just that will raise awareness of people so i always say you know whatever you measure you treasure right so once you start measuring that you will start to treasure and you know i've had instances on my resort for example when i wanted my kitchen staff to use less water or use less electricity i never told them listen reduce your uh, uh, consumption i just told them i just i used to just put up a little board where i used to write yesterday you consumed so many hundred or so many thousand liters of water and i used to just put it up that's it so chef asked me why you put it up i said no just so that you know so yesterday if they consumed 1200 liters of water next day i put you consume 1400 liters of water slowly they started to say oh wow we consume so much is it and that starts to embed itself you know because we can't force things on people you know because sustainability is something that has to come from within us because it is our micro actions that results in a macro effect so those micro actions need to be taken care of and those micro actions need to be taken care of by individuals and if individuals don't take care of it themselves there's only so much you can do to motivate incentivize and all that typical workplace techniques if you know what i mean uh so what we need is deep conviction from within and when that conviction comes they will act but for that conviction to come you need to literally persuade them 
and persuasion is through various these behavioral change techniques right so when i started to put them up suddenly i had the chef telling the guys why are you using so much water turn the tap down and i was like wow i never told them reduce your water consumption i just put up there how much you're consuming so once you measure things will start to work so i always say at a workplace try and give measures for your work workers to understand tell them look at your waste bin every day put up how much energy was consumed and it's possible today you just need to fix a few meters here and there it's not very difficult thing to do if one if one is serious about it right we assume that people will be serious about it so if you just put up these small you know action these small things here and there what will result from that is literally you will have masses starting to move towards sustainability but we need to start there i believe that's a great point so look at the data let's start measuring data and then instinctively i think our sustainability instincts will take over thank you okay so for our third question since you've worked with so many clients i wanted to ask you if you don't mind sharing one story where you work went in you looked at a client and you said you know these are can your current practices and how did you help them transition into something that was more sustainable or eco friendly yeah i mean i have loads of stories <laughs> of <course. laughs> uh, but let me share you know just probably one or two of them with you i worked at a micro level in sustainability when i built my own resort right uh, and it's a small 24 room resort but then i also worked at a macro level i had the opportunity to work at a macro level the huge industry uh, uh, the jewelry industry where i was called in to help make the industry more sustainable for one particular company uh, which is titan jewelry and uh, they called me in because you know the size in which they are today they are a 17000 crore company 19000 crore company so I've seen size that they are in uh, and they're going to grow to becoming about 40 50000 crores over the next 5 years right uh, and as we all know the jewelry industry is quite a it's quite a toxic industry uh, from a social perspective from an environmental perspective uh, it is deemed a luxury item obviously can we live without jewelry i think we can so the management of titan jewelry are very conscientious you know as a tata company uh, they said that no we want to take a lead in the world and become more sustainable than what we are today so they sort of wheel me in to help them with that and remember there are the large industry and there are engineers who been there since they started 25 30 years now when i went in there because i went in with a different perspective completely right my perspective was not jewelry manufacturer it is okay you're doing that now what do we do to make it more sustainable so i was able to see small aspects of the production process uh which we just tweaked a bit for a quantum result uh, i'll give you one such example you know there is uh, in the jewelry making process there is a mold which is made and that mold needs to be broken inside the mold you pour the gold and our rings and all of that are made we need to break that mold apart and to break the mold water is used water very high pressure is used now in this particular instance when i went and saw that and i said we need water do we need to use fresh water and the engineer said we need water so why are you using fresh water because it was fresh water and they said oh we didn't even think about it so i said why don't we use ro reject water because they have loads of thousands of liters of ro reject water and this is fine and we just made some small plumbing changes and we saving something like 1 1 and 1/2 lakh liters of water a day wow 
Now, when the production engineers at a ground level, when they saw this, and remember, this is an idea they came up with because I went through the whole steps with them. I raised their awareness. I told them about the climate change. I gave them personal examples and they were kind of motivated enough. You know, they had already taken that journey forward. And they came up with this saying, wow, yeah, sure, we can do this. And that was magical in itself. I almost saw the whole workforce on the shop floor level transform completely. And that's it, they were committed. And from then on, they were coming up with stuff that we can do uh, because they're all engineers on the ground. They know the production process, the details of it. We've got hundreds of ideas that were harvested. Uh, so this is an example I always give to say that, you know, it's been very satisfying and it's possible to do it at a large scale, at a macro scale. Now, at a micro scale also it's possible on my resort, you know, I've, I've seen that happen where you know, mine's a 100% eco-resort from an energy, water, waste management, architecture, supply chain, the whole works. And whenever guests come to my resort, they come in there, not because I'm an eco-resort, frankly, nobody cares. As yet, five years from now, it'll be a different story. But they come because, you know, we sort of treat them to all kinds of village games, you know, playing gilly danda and flying kites and milking a cow and going on bullock cart rides and stuff like that. So they come, that is the lure that brings them into my resort. And they're there, we have notes all over the resort explaining various aspects of sustainability. But importantly, I deliver a little talk to them, telling them what this is all about, why they are here. And I always say, welcome to our native village. Welcome to this experiment called our native village. And you're part of that experiment. So it's very inclusive. And when I finish explaining everything to them, they respond almost immediately. I've seen instances where, you know, mothers after listening to my talk, saw the children drop stuff on the ground, you know, paper sort of you know waste paper or, or banana peels and immediately they would sort of call them it's one particular instance where the mother actually called you know they come in a group all the children together and told them didn't you don't you know what this resort is all about uncle explained to you so shall we all agree we'll be more conscious more aware and I saw that play out in front of me and I said wow and that's the point I always make to people you know we're all very cynical saying people will not respond I don't think so. People will respond. And I believe that it is embedded very deep in us to respond to sustainability. Because survival is a very deep instinct in all of us as human beings. I don't think anybody steps out in the morning saying, let's go trash the environment. Right? They don't. So I believe that sustainability, which is survivability, is embedded very deep into our DNA. All we need to do is tap into that and people will respond. Thank you so much for sharing because I think also in this you know generation in this era where you are constantly looking at lots of negative news media and you know um, it's a little intimidating it's a little scary there's a lot of climate anxiety that this uh, generation is specifically experiencing I think highlighting all of these positive stories is so so important and also I think um, the point that you mentioned about personal anecdotes and sharing your story and then connecting through that um, and then you know just kind of this interconnectedness and making people feel like we're all one community, really. I, I completely agree with you. You know, what we need is hope. Yeah. And I've been in this space for more than a decade now. And one thing I will say that it is possible. We managed to heal the ozone, you know, the, the hole there, right? Uh, so it is possible. That's all I always saw. There is hope and, and we should keep that going.
How do you keep your optimism alive? <laughs> it's strange you asked me that question because uh, recently I was delivering a talk somewhere and a young man came up to me and he heard me and he sort of looked at me and he said, I listened to you 10 years ago, your talk 10 years ago. And he said, wow, you're still at it? <laughs> so I said, what do you mean? He said, how come you haven't given up because nobody wants to respond? And I say, well, I guess I'm an eternal optimist. I believe that only good will happen. And I, and I truly believe in that. I'm not just saying that. Uh, I truly believe in that because that's been my life experience, you know. I mean, I come from a very, very humble, middle-class background. My dad was just a clerk, you know, in a company in Chennai. But one thing we were all brought up was, one aspect, you know, that was embedded in us very deeply was, there is goodness in the world, you know. Uh, People will respond to positive images, to good um, and to positive messages. Uh, it's very easy to focus on what will not happen, cannot happen. And in today's world of news media, breaking news, where we will only sort of start to listen, where you say, oh my God, somebody got murdered, some accident somewhere. You know, we gravitate towards that much more easily than to the fact that, hey, we heal the planet. You know, people don't gravitate towards that because you just become so cynical, you know. Uh, so I'm an eternal optimist and uh, my optimism has worked for me. If it hasn't worked, I would have been a cynic by now. But it has worked for me only because I have seen people respond to it. It's not just, I'm very spiritually optimist, so it's a beautiful world we live in, you know, la la land, no. In a practical level, everyday level, I've seen people respond to it and people will respond and that's the hope we all need to keep. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for your time and I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you.